Welcome to the Relentless Pursuit Podcast. A great task remains, and we all have a role we can play. But what do we do with the questions we have about missions, about walking with God, about ourselves? Well, here's a space for us to wrestle and discover together. We don't have to have it all figured out to take our next step. Today you'll hear the interview I had with Jessica. I think many of you will relate to Jess's story, so stick around. It's really fun to hear where she ended up. Currently, she is living in Orlando, working with Pioneers USA with her husband, Bo. But before that, she was living in Japan. For seven and a half years, she devoted herself to language learning, to creating Bible studies for those who were interested, and spent a lot of her time, as she would say, chucking rocks. Y'all, our conversation highlights the steady obedience of Jess as she followed a good God who led her to some remarkable people and places. So kick your feet up or start your commute as we hear Jess's story and celebrate the glory of God. Y'all, I cannot wait for you to meet Jess. It was four <laughs> years ago that I met you in wow. Japan. Was it really four years ago? Can you even believe that? I know. I'm thrilled Gosh. you're here. Now we're talking on a podcast. And I people know. will learn now in a little bit. They'll hear why they meet you in Japan. What was that connection? So yeah, that's right. People can sit tight. Okay. So <laughs> I want to jump in because I can really relate to your story in a lot of ways. And I'm wondering, actually, if tons of people listening will too. And so if y'all can relate, let us know because it'd be fun mm. to see who's kind of tracking with this story. But Jess, if our lives were just kind of strung out on this long string, if you can imagine <laughs> like, you know, through all of eternity, I'm going <laughs> to drop a pin. I want you to drop a pin. Kind okay. Of drop us into your story at a place where um, you could tell that God was calling you deeper into his story. Mm. Okay, so if we just drop a pin, I guess that would <laughs> yeah. find me in Guatemala in summer of my junior year in college. I was on a short-term summer missions trip with our church, um, and we were just doing, you know, kind of the typical college summer missions trip, VBS, and hanging out with kids and um, helping some translating. And I think the thing that was the most sort of impactful for me was just seeing the missionaries that we were working with, um, just seeing them loving and investing in the people around them and just the way they lived life, depending on the Lord at each moment and depending on his provision and living in faith. And I was like, that is so cool. Like, I really want to learn to live like that. Right. And so then kind of from there, I had this idea, like, what if I just did like one or two years, um, almost like an internship on the mission field? And I just really wanted to grow and to learn as much as I could. And so I started kind of looking into, you know, what was missions like and what would it mean to go for like a year or two. Um, but, you know, sometimes I feel like I didn't really like get called into missions so much as I sort of like begged God to let me in. And of course, that was all just part of God's, you know, orchestration and all these different circumstances and experiences that gave me a greater heart for missions. But I think I was always kind of hesitant and unsure of what it really meant to be called. And I really struggled with the fact that I hadn't had this like big Damascus Road moment and the sort of, you know, I'd grown up seeing missionaries at our church and they all had this like, I will be buried here kind of conviction for the mission field. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought I that was like, mean. yeah, right. And I thought that was like the proper way to be called into missions. And so I continued to pursue missions. And, you know, from there, I got a heart for Japan 
and I was just kind of taking one step after another. But the whole time I was sort of like, ah, is this like really okay? Is this really what I'm supposed to do? But, you know, God opened this door, so I guess I'll go through it. And oh, he opened another door. And it was sort of like, before I knew it, I was like lying on the floor in Japan at my team leader's house in my futon. And I kid you not, I was like, crap, what have I done? <laughs> Like, I mean, I seriously thought God had made a mistake. I was like, honestly, like, God, like, how could you let me get this far, right? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and even after I'd been in Japan for, like, several months and my leaders and our local partners had invited me to, like, join the team long term as opposed to just, like, the one or two year internship that I had initially thought of. But still, I felt that whole time that I'd sort of, like, snuck in the back door of missions mm, and that wow. because I didn't have this, like, written the stars calling I really didn't belong there and so I spent a lot of time praying that God would give me like a really crystal clear answer um, of what he wanted me to do but I mean really what I wanted him to do was to tell me to stay in Japan because mm -hmm. like honestly I was loving it I was picking up the language quickly I had made friends I was getting all these opportunities to share my faith and my testimony and to reach out to non-believers um, but still God was not giving me that like lightning bolt answer, right? And, you know, in the midst of that, I think it finally struck me one day that I was actually kind of getting angry at God and almost even bitter that he wasn't giving me the answer I was expecting. And so, you know, that was kind of like a, a wake up moment for me. I was like, whoa, like, who am I to be angry at God because he's not answering me in exactly the way that I want him to, right? Yeah, right. And so I kind of started, um, I kind of took a step back, looked at my heart and started looking at all these things that I've mentioned before about how I was doing well in Japan and I was loving the people and the people were loving me. And I realized that, oh, like maybe this is all God's answer. He's like always had it in front of me, but I was just like so stuck on having like my kind of answer that you know, I didn't even like really realize it at first. And so, I mean, you know, long story short, I think it kind of generally or slowly led me to realize that like, okay, I mean, nothing's telling me to go home. So I guess I'll just like stay here for, you know, however long. And I had this I don't know, I felt almost like a little bit wishy-washy about it, but also at the same time, like, I know that this is where God wants me now, right? Hmm. Um, yeah. But I think when it like really clicked was probably about a year after that, I went to this retreat and one of the leaders shared from Numbers where it describes how the Israelites were led by God in the form of like a cloud um, during the day and fire at night, right? And it talks about how wherever the cloud moved, the Israelites moved. And whenever the cloud went somewhere, the Israelites would get up and go, right? And so it's not like the Israelites had like an itinerary, you know, like tomorrow we will travel 15 miles to the west of the no, that's a good Sinai point. Desert, yeah. you know, right? Yeah. They just kind of like moved whenever the cloud moved, right? Yeah. And so um, I realized that that's actually how God's been leading me this whole time, that the Lord had brought me to Japan and the cloud was, you know, figuratively still over Japan. And I think I realized at that point, or I just felt at that point, this really great peace and assurance that when it was time to leave, the cloud would move and I would know it. And of course, that's actually what eventually happened. The cloud moved and I knew it was time for me to leave to Japan. Uh, leave Japan and come to the US. And so, yeah. you know, obviously at the time I thought the cloud was going to go back to Japan, which 
didn't really work out the way that I expected to. It went in the opposite direction. And now I'm in Orlando and who knows how long we'll be here. But I think I just continue to feel the sense that, um, you know, God is just guiding me one step at a time. And um, when it becomes time to take another step in a different direction, he's going to make that clear. Good night. Are you kidding me? Listen, we're probably, what, five minutes into this episode and already we are just in the trenches. We're hearing (laughs) about what it's like to walk daily with God. Okay. I want to highlight a couple of things that you were saying before. Mm. First of all, I love that you kept saying, you know, I was waiting. I was waiting for these lightning bolts. I was waiting for these, you know, smoke flares, anything (laughs) that would just show me and really push me in one direction. So I love that you had such a persistent faith, Jess. You were you are wanting to hear from God. And I think that's a big deal because I wonder, you know, do we do we even know what God's voice, you know, would sound like as he leads us? I mean, are, are, do we have the type of posture where we really can hear from God? And I right. feel like you were begging to hear from God. That's such a cool way to hear that your story, you know, was started, that you were, you were waiting. And then from there, it was not anything super obvious or mm-hmm. super, you know, compelling, but it was just this small obedience, daily small obedience to God. And it led you across the world and mm. you were in such abundance with God. And like you said, you know, Japan, you woke up one day and you were like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. Actually, it happened. I'm here. But then you said that, you know, you loved the people, the people loved you and you were just in this mutual relationship there. And so I just feel like, yeah, following the cloud, there's a lot we can learn from that principle and you make a good point. So i feel like if people wanted to hear, well, actually I'll just make a strong encouragement. Uh, we should all go back and reread Exodus where Mm -hmm. we first learn of the Israelites um, being freed from slavery. And now they are following this cloud. And there's a lot of symbolism there. But I think that there's so much just meaningful practice for us to consider. Mm -hmm. And especially like Exodus 13 is when I think we first encounter Mm -hmm. that the Israelites are going to follow, yeah, the cloud in the day and the fire at night. And and then eventually they build a tabernacle and the cloud sets Mm -hmm. in. I mean, there's just, Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful. But I think that you're right. That's a big deal for us. And so can you tell us, I want to hear a bit more about this. So for you, what did that look like? Because, you know, we hear that today and we're like, are you kidding me? Follow a cloud. That sounds bananas. <laughs> I'm not doing that. But so so in general, what did it look like for you? Uh, how did you know when the cloud moved or, you know, so mm-hmm. to speak, how did you know that God was moving? What were some, some things about that? Hmm, yeah. Well, so, I mean, I guess like one thing is it's easy to kind of think of the cloud as some like supernatural event, like it was for the Israelites, right? right? This really like in your face, obvious sign, right? Which I mean, you know, that's what God used in the Old Testament at that time. And I think God definitely still does work that way today too. But um, I think for me, I was like expecting God's guidance to look like a really clear in the sky kind of thing, right? And I feel like a lot of times God doesn't work that way in our lives. Um, And so... um, so I think the one of the most important things to do, um, or at least what I was realizing, was that it's just so important to focus on God and his presence in our lives, um, which is really, of course, what the cloud stood for, right? It was proof mm-hmm. and testimony of his dwelling among them, right? That's right. That's right. Um, and so I guess practically what this looks like, um, especially when the Lord is moving you, or maybe, as I'm sure a lot of us experienced this last year, when the cloud is slowing you down, right? Um, I think it probably looks different for a lot of people, right? I mean, it, it's a lot of it is external. It could be like your circumstance 
circumstances or things about your life that you just can't control, right? And we walk in faith that God is in control even though we are not, right? Um, and uh, of course, the cloud is also observed like in the ways that God is moving in our hearts. And I think that's probably one of the big ones for us today living in the New Testament with the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, you know, obviously yeah. we're doing things like praying and reading the Bible, but we're also seeking him and asking him for wisdom and guidance. And I think that's oftentimes when he moves in our hearts in ways to guide us, right? Um, and just like for an example, right, I think... Um, uh, maybe, for example, someone feels led to be like a missionary, right? But you don't know where, right? So what do you do? You just start mm-hmm. praying for his guidance and you start talking to people. And maybe at some point you realize like, hey, like all of a sudden I'm talking to a lot of people who have a heart for Japan and I've been praying for people who are in Japan. And now actually I'm really interested in Japan. And the more you think about it and the more you pray about it, the more God gives you a heart for Japan, right? So God never like wrote in your Bible for your QT, go to Japan, right? (laughs) But you just know from your prayers and from the fact that God has given you this heart for this country. And then he starts opening up doors and it just kind of becomes this natural progression towards whatever it is that his will is for you right and so I think it's like what you said before about like those little steps right it's not like we wake up one random morning and we're like I'm gonna go to Africa today right I mean it it's like this slow progression and as we follow him step by step I feel like that you know the proverbial cloud becomes more clear right I agree I think that You make a good point too. Earlier you said that, well, you wouldn't have known to look for the cloud if you didn't know that God had already used a cloud in someone else's life. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. I heard in college someone say that if you want to know how the watch works, like, you know, something you wear on your wrist that would tell us time, Mm -hmm. um, you'd have to know the creator because you wouldn't begin to know, I guess, how um, to make it yourself or why you put that there. And so it'd be incredible to meet the person, you know, who made the very first wristwatch and Mm -hmm. figure Mm -hmm. out the cogs and how does it all work. And so I think the same would be true in this sense of if you want to know what the cloud looks like, or rather God's presence in your life, I think it's super valuable to know God because then you would know, you'd be familiar with what, what does his presence in your life look like? Mm -hmm. Um, historically, how has he led you in the past? That could be a good indicator of how he'd move you in the future. And so I think that there's so many good indicators there for us. And and I love just this idea that for you, you were not on this racetrack. It was not like you were moving mile a minute so fast that you couldn't even hear the word of God. You couldn't see it for yourself. You were moving at a pace where it was so, it might have seemed so painfully obvious, <laughs> rather not painfully obvious, but rather so just painfully slow at the mm-hmm. time. But mm-hmm. now you look back and you think, oh my gosh, he, he never for a second left me. I mean, his presence, his his direction in my life, it was constant. And even though the days were long and I didn't feel like anything <laughs> came, you know, delivered to me in a letter to my front door, yeah. um, here we are. And so I'm curious what you think this means, Jess. You know, our podcast here that, we, that we're that we on, it, mm-hmm. it, we love the idea of just we're relentlessly pursuing the unreached. We're relentlessly mm-hmm. pursuing God's glory. We are in mm-hmm. these relentless pursuits. And so what do you think it means to be committed to relentlessly pursuing God's glory, even when the invitations are coming to you in a whisper rather than mm-hmm. a shout, if that makes mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, and pursuing God's glory, right? I mean, that seems like such like a huge thing. Yeah, right? it sounds big time. Yeah, it sounds yeah. super big time, right? And so I think for me, I kind of have to like break it down a little bit and think of it as like pursuing God, 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that like a yeah. theologically reasonable, like, you know, assumption or, you know, yeah, are they no, like pretty synonymous is. with each other, right? And so, yeah. so yeah, I, I think just, you know, pursuing God and pursuing a relationship with him, even when he is speaking to you in tiny little whispers and instead of shouts or lightning bolts, right? And mm. I mean, it, it's definitely not easy, right? I don't think not for anyone. Um, I'm really glad that you um, feel like you could see the theme of like me just kind of obeying God that you mentioned earlier. Um, but honestly, like I'm super impatient and I'm like terrible. At Are you? Oh my gosh. Yes, I had no idea. <laughs> it's true. You could ask my husband if you're not sure. Um, but honestly, like just looking at the pattern of my life as well, I, when I decide that I want something, like I want it now. And if I can't have it now, then I at least want to know when it's coming or what I need to do in order to get it. Right. right? On. And if I yeah. can't do those things, then I would actually rather just give up on it entirely. Right. <laughs> And so really um, just any kind of like reliance or patience that I have um, in my story, I feel like it's just all God. And it's just because he's brought Mm -hmm. me to a place over and over again, where despite my natural state of being super demanding and then angry after that, right? um, It's just, that's where he's brought me to a place where I have to depend on him and where I just realize how much I need him, right? And I think the Lord has been just so incredibly gracious to me in meeting me where I am in my personality and in my demandingness, not in the sense that he gives me what I want because I mean, he didn't, right? Yeah, yeah. I've wanted, I think multiple times in my life to for the Lord to really answer me super obviously in some like miraculous experience. And he honestly never has, right? Mm. But um, just over and over again, he keeps bringing me to a place where I realize how much I need him and I need to depend on him. And yeah. so, I mean, I think practically speaking, going back to your question, um, you know, obviously that looks like a lot of prayer and time in the word, which yeah. is like such the obvious answer. But of course, it's because it's a true answer. Oh, and it's true. Yeah, yeah, right. And there's no yeah. shortcuts or sur- silver bullets to pursuing a deeper relationship with God, right? I oh, mean, prayer yeah. and the word, right? Um, but And I it's think- such an invitation. Oh, I didn't mean to cut mm-hmm. you off, but just such an invitation, I think, too, that I, I don't want to forget that it's not as if, right. you know, I had to make all these deposits in order to gain God's favor. It's mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, what an opportunity that he has invited me into to mm-hmm. enjoy this space. And I think that when we pursue God, ultimately, you know, we, we, I just can't get it out of my mind, you know, all the times, even in Psalm, when mm-hmm. it's as if um, the psalmist is saying that as he gets closer to the Father or closer to his creator, he just takes great delight. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much joy and mm-hmm. peace there. And I think I forget that when we're, I don't want to, I don't want, pursuing God's glory to seem so transactional or like I'm just mm-hmm. making these business deals to get myself a little bit further in my life and right, just right. figure out the right location. But rather, you know, while I'm in that pursuit of literal, maybe geographic location changing or my mm-hmm. work changing or whatever those next steps are, I don't want to forget that in this relentless pursuit, there is much to be enjoyed because mm-hmm. I'm being invited from mm-hmm. the Father. It is a invitation to come sit at his throne and enjoy him. And so Mm -hmm. I I just don't want to rush, I feel like, in my life too. I mean, just so small decisions and think that I'm just making transactions so I can get to the next place. You know, I don't want to blow it off. I want it to be very sweet, very memorable Mm -hmm. um, so Mm -hmm. that I can tell others. And like you're telling me and now you're telling loads of people, (laughs) you know, how God has led you. And 
okay, we can't breeze past this. You mentioned you're so demanding. Mm -hmm. And I hear that and I think, okay, this is really good for me to hear because I love your story and I love how God has led you. And I just, it's good for me to hear that you perhaps weren't always just sitting in this perfect patience, perfect prayer, but there were days (laughs) where you'd wake up and it's just like, no, God, I want this. Do you Mm -hmm. hear me? And you're Mm -hmm. crying out. And so to know that, man, it can be kind of messy too, Mm -hmm. even when Mm -hmm. it's small and, you know, it's small progression, um, it can be messy even Mm -hmm. so. And that's really humbling, I think, for all of us to hear. (laughs) So thanks for sharing that. It's definitely messy for sure. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, listen, when we very first started the episode, you mentioned in Japan. It, mm-hmm. You just stuck it right in there. And I love it because I, well, gosh, if anyone knows me, they know I have a very, very soft spot in my mm-hmm. heart for the mm-hmm. Japanese people mm-hmm. and the nation. And so let's transition to where God asked you to serve for seven and a half years of your life. Is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep, is that how long right. it was? Okay. Yep. So it's one of the most beautiful and historic and quirky nations. Uh, maybe that's not really objective, but I think it is. I no, objectively I totally agree. Okay, good. <laughs> I get. I think so too. Well, anyway, um, what are some things that you are really, really missing from Japan right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my friends and the people there. Obviously, uh, the right. food is amazing, right? <laughs> um, Japan is also like a super peaceful place to live. Like people, um, just in public spaces, they're super quiet and respectful and clean. Like safety is not really an issue. Um, yeah. I also really loved that people were always super curious about Christianity and the Bible. Um, So it's actually super easy to share your testimony and the gospel because people have virtually no preconceived like notions or bias about Jesus or the church. They're like, oh, you're a missionary. What does that mean? Like, what do you do? Why did you come here? And then it's just really easy to share about your faith and about the gospel. And so, yeah, I just really loved how um, curious people were and how easy it was to have those conversations. Oh, I Um, love that. Yeah. There are also, of course, like lots of random small conveniences, mostly around food that were like super (laughs) awesome. Um, Like I know you know this, Emily, but like 7-Eleven in Asia in general, but definitely in Japan is like the bomb, you know, so good, right? Half of sashimi at the supermarket after 6 p.m. That's pretty good. Girl, I went to 7-Eleven, I think twice a day when I was in Japan. It's totally convenient. And there's so many good things there. Yeah, it is. There is. Oh, yeah. But there were like things that drove me crazy too. Like um, I needed a history of transactions with my internet company when I was leaving the country. Oh, wow. But they wouldn't take email. My internet company would not take email. So I had to fax them a request for this paperwork, (laughs) which they then snail mailed to me, right? My internet company in one of the most high-tech countries in the world wanted a fax, right? So there are definitely some things like that. Like they really love tradition. They love kind of doing things old school and they definitely don't do change for the sake of change. Like unless there's like really good reason for it. They kind of stick to what they know and what they're good at, which is, you know, it kind of like goes both ways. It can be sure. a pro and a con. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I was a little bit incredulous when they told me they wouldn't take an email. <laughs> Sends it over on a dinosaur to, yeah, to get back seriously. to you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Japan. If y'all haven't gone, oh, man, I hope you do someday. Oh, you get to go. Sure. It's very, very mm-hmm. uh, warm, I would say. Not just temperature. I mean, I mean, it is a warm country. So, uh, tell us a little bit. Okay, you actually you mentioned this a second ago that the people were so 
open to hearing mm-hmm. the gospel. And mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, that's almost surprising just because I feel like with a nation that just, you mentioned they are so clean, so hospitable, the country is so safe. It, it almost puts up this perception that they just have it together. They have their mm-hmm. lives together. So they don't mm-hmm. really have a lot of that curiosity. Maybe they aren't asking those bigger questions. So for you to say that there was great curiosity and you were mm-hmm. able to share your testimony, I'm deeply encouraged by that. And so I want to hear a little bit about the Japanese culture and why, you know, bearing with God in very real yet small ways actually prepared you so well for life and ministry in Japan. Hmm. Yeah. So um, just a little bit more about Japanese culture, I guess, to start with. Um, Japanese people, they have an incredibly strong work ethic and they're also intensely loyal. Right. Hmm, and so yeah. like you'll often hear people say that it's hard to develop deep relationships in Japan. And of course, that's probably even more true for foreigners. Um, but once a Japanese person really decides to commit to something, they're like full on 100 percent. And I think you can really see that in the way that people serve at their church and also the way that they pray for each other. And so hmm. um, in Japan, okay. we have this like uh, weekly prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, right? And it's a small church, so it's usually the same like four or five people that you see every week. And we go around and share our prayer requests. And of course, people have, you know, their random specific ones for the week or whatnot. But everyone also has people in their families that are non-believers, of course, because in Japan, hmm. there's not very many Christians, right? right? And so they will ask for prayers for these non-believing members of their family every single week, right? We had one lady at our church who had a cousin who wasn't saved. And I think every single time I prayed with her for like the seven years I was in Japan, she would ask for prayer for this cousin, right? Wow. Which in the US, I feel like we would kind of get embarrassed or too shy to share the same request over again. Or we might even, maybe it's just me because I'm like sinful and fallen, but maybe (laughs) I would even be like a little bit annoyed if someone asked for the same prayer request every single week. I'd be like, no, don't you have anything else you want prayer about? Or just lose heart. You would just stop praying because you weren't seeing Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure that Japanese people also would get discouraged and, you know, sometimes it would be hard for them to, you know, pray for the same people over and over again. But I mean, for the most part, it just seemed so tireless and faithfully Mm. that they would lift up these prayers, just um, knowing that God is working and moving and knowing also that that's honestly what it took to bring people into the church in Japan. Um, Because, you know, like you highlighted earlier, people are super curious, but when it comes to really committing to Jesus and to a life of faith in him and him alone, that's often where Japanese people get a little bit turned off and they're kind of, you know, they just want to kind of want to keep it a little bit fluffier, I think, than um, the Lord really calls us to in our relationships with him. And so it takes a lot of prayer and a lot of faith just to see people come to church, much less actually become a Christian, right? Right. Um, But I really saw Japanese people just so tirelessly being just good stewards of that gospel and of the power of prayer. And so as an impatient and demanding person myself, I mean, that was really something that humbled and um, taught me to Mm. see them in the way that they would just, you know, like we've been saying, just each day, you know, saying that prayer over and over and over again for years sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, But... That's what they knew it would take. And they were seemed so joyful just to be able to do that and just leave it to God and know that he is working. And so- Wow. Um, do you know what, Jess? You said that, you know, 
you feel like you're just, it, you were so impatient and you had so much to learn. And that, I mean, obviously, we all can learn things mm-hmm. about ourselves and we can grow. But you mentioned that, well, what I'm seeing from you is that you are such a great person for these people to follow or to or to learn from because you were relying on God for mm-hmm. so long, mm-hmm. asking the same prayers over and over, you know, for years, wanting to be let into the door, you know, of missions. And you were mm-hmm. faithful and persistent. So for them to get your friends that you were seeing there, for them to just watch your life for seven years, you know, unfold and see you be someone who's patient to to just walk with God and dwell with him and ask big questions and pray consistently and wait to hear from him. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible, you know, first insight for someone who's maybe never met a believer before. Mm-hmm. They get to meet you and see your story. And so, wow, if God would have sent you anywhere else, would that have happened? I don't know. But you, he sent yeah. you here, and for you to encounter the Japanese people and to mm-hmm. for them to get to see your story, it is by I mean, it's obviously just by no mistake that that God would prepare you for life and ministry there. And you mentioned that you were meeting at a church. Um, mm-hmm. So is this a place where you know it's mostly all just local Japanese people, and then maybe mm-hmm. a few you know foreigners joining, or what? What What do you mean by church when you say that? Um, so I was kind of mainly a part of two churches. One was like a full-on Japanese church um, led by a Japanese pastor. Everything was in Japanese. And that was okay. mostly local Japanese people. There were like a handful of foreigners, either our missionary team or there was like a Japanese-American couple that also attended this church. Um, but for the most part, that was all Japanese people. And then the second church that I was a part of was a church plant that our team had been a part of. And that was like done in English and Japanese. So it was like a bilingual church is what we called it. Um, And so that was a much greater mix. Like obviously more of our team attended that church. So we had more of our, you know, foreign missionaries there. And because it wasn't English, we would attract uh, people who were in the city, you know, working or even visiting. Um, But we also had a lot of Japanese people, some people who were Christian, but also a lot of people who were interested in English or, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. they had attended church for a little while outside of Japan and they were interested in getting reconnected or they were just lonely and looking for community. And so they just kind of like showed up one day. And and so we had a good mix of different kinds of people at that church. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that. I feel like I hear church and classic, you know, Western mind would make me believe mm-hmm. just this big place where it's all these people. And <laughs> obviously, um, that probably wasn't the case. And so it's great to hear more about maybe just the mm-hmm. um, specifics of that. What is a story from your time in Japan that we can celebrate alongside you for seeing God's glory among the unreached? So, I mean, it was funny. I was kind of thinking about this a, a minute ago, a little while ago. And we, like I mentioned a second ago, our team was able to plant a small church in Hiroshima right, where right. I was living, um, which was awesome, right? And such a testimony of God's grace. I honestly kind of came in on the tail end of it, so I wasn't super involved in the planning of it, but I was obviously um, a core part of the church when we were just getting off the ground. Um but, you know, for some reason, the thing that really comes to mind, though, is just all the different relationships and um, just personal interactions that I was able to have with people. Mm. In Japan, like we said, you know, there's not a lot of Christians and a lot of people are just not really open to committing 
to a relationship with Jesus. And so a lot of what we do is just kind of chucking rocks, preparing soil for someone else who's going to come along and hopefully plant and water seeds after us. And it was a lot of just encouraging and walking alongside Japanese believers, giving them more reason to trust in God and his faithfulness. Um, I hope I was able to encourage them, like you mentioned before. Um, But for me, I really had a heart for young working people. And that's a demographic within the Japanese church that is quickly dying out. And Mm -hmm. so it just gave me even more motivation to pour into these young believers because they really are the future of their church. And I felt like the more um, that they are able to really cling to the Lord, the more that hopefully they'll be able to, you know, get through these next 10, 20, 30 years when things are likely going to be very tough for the church as a lot of their older population honestly passes away, right? And so I was lucky enough to be part of a pretty good-sized young adult group. I mean, when I say good size, I say like 10 or 15 people, right? Okay, Um, yeah. Yeah. Amongst the three or four churches that we were working with. And the people that we met there, and especially a lot of the women um, that I was able to um, get to know, they were just so hungry for... um, for, to grow hungry, to mm-hmm. know the Lord more, to be able to um, hear his voice and to understand and obey the ways that he was leading them. And so, um, yeah, it was really special for me to be able to to pour into some of those, those people there. Um, Completely. I also had several different roommates while I was in Japan. Um, I'm married now, but I was single during the time that I was in Japan. Um, And that was also just such an incredible gift to be able to um, walk alongside different people as they growed in their relationship with the Lord and their desire to serve him. I think out of five or six different roommates that I had, one of them is now with Pioneers and is serving in Japan as a missionary. One has joined Pioneers and appoints he hoping to go back to Japan. And then one actually decided to go to seminary um, in order to serve, you know, whether that's here or back in Japan. And so obviously that wasn't like all me or anything. I'm just like one little puzzle piece and like the grand scheme of what yeah. the Lord was doing in their lives. But I yeah. was just so privileged to be a part of their walk and to just witness what the Lord was doing in their lives and the decisions that he was leading them into. And just to, to see that happen um, and to just praise him for all that he was doing, I feel mm-hmm. like that was um, one of the highlights for me being yeah. in Japan. Oh, that's so good, Jess. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I think when I was a kid and I was hearing stories at church from missionaries, mm-hmm. you know, you'd hear stories of, of people going to tribal um, mm-hmm. you know, countries where you would, you'd hear, well, maybe not everyone has heard stories of this, but I was hearing stories mm-hmm. of these missionaries would show up and people would just flock out of everywhere and they would all just crave to mm-hmm. have access to a Bible. And they'd have these just huge, large gatherings because, um, yeah, th- there was just such a hunger within the people. And so now, you know, in my adulthood, as I hear, you know, more frequently, I hear loads more stories, especially mm-hmm. here at work. And so I hear more stories of, yeah, it took a long time of just <laughs> chucking rocks, cleaning up the soil, like trusting God, praying boldly for mm-hmm. even just one person, right. you know, to come to place their faith in Jesus. And mm-hmm. so, you know, as you say that 
you obviously had great friendships there um, and you, you walked with people, these women that you mentioned, they would just pray with you and you'd have Bible studies and such. You know, I'm sure there's a part of all of us that just anticipates that God will bring abundance and, and so much fruit in our work. And I pray mm-hmm. that he does for everyone. Mm-hmm. But for you, you know, as you kind of engage with this, these smaller groups, but yet there was so much faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I think that anyone listening here today can just take courage, take encouragement, you know, that even just the smallest pursuits of mm-hmm. of God and his people and just the daily kind of um, relationship there uh, bears incredible fruit. Yeah. You know, even absolutely. if we don't have this, these massive flocks of people and, and a huge movement all at once, you know, mm-hmm. I think it is just so it seems so genuine to even just have one, you know, mm-hmm. just that mentality yeah. of, of just yeah. the one person, the one For sheep, sure. if you will. I mean, because so. like you never know, right? Maybe you'll just only be able to reach out to one person and maybe that person is only able to reach out to one person. But maybe the person yeah. they reach out to is like the next Billy Graham. I mean, hey, you really never that's know. That's such a good point. That's the right? idea of multiplication too. Right. Is, you know, for each one, if we all have our one, you know, it's <laughs> like the, it just grows. And so thanks for Gosh, I just, if no one's told you lately, thank you for obeying and from hearing from God and dwelling and bearing with him all through your time in Japan. And now back here in the States too, it's not as if that's just over and you don't Mm -hmm. trust God anymore (laughs) and you no longer want to see his people be reached. Mm -hmm. So you obviously have your hand kind of in the door in a different way. What are you doing now, by the way? Oh, so we uh, joined the pre-field team at Pioneers, which is the team that helps people who have joined Pioneers and are preparing to go to the field. So whether they're, you know, doing finances and raising support or trying to figure out a team or trying to narrow down the country that they will go and serve in, um, our team just kind of walks alongside all those people and we just coach them to get to the field. And so my husband and I, we help out specifically with support raising. Um, and so, yeah, we just really want to encourage all the people because I know support raising people hear that and they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah, right? it can be a doozy, um, can but it? We just really want to encourage people to not look at it as asking for money, but look at it as an opportunity to share their passion and the vision that the Lord has given them um, and just to share it with as many people as possible and to find yes. joy in that. And it's sort of like if you can have real excitement about it, then you know, the whole asking for support can naturally flow out of that. And so um, we just really love walking with people alongside that. Well, it is such a good work that you guys are doing. I know that it might not seem like it's such an easy task for people to embark on support raising. That could seem so daunting, but I'm Mm. so glad there are people like you and Bo, your husband, that can bring such encouragement and really good coaching around um, the privilege of raising support. So Mm. thanks for doing what you do. So to close out our incredible time together, uh, can you give any last encouragement? for those who are continuing to ask God for their next steps and maybe even um, some indicators within their Mm -hmm. lives of God's glory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I think I just want to say that um, if you are pursuing the Lord and being obedient in the places that he has put you, then not to doubt that God is working. Yeah. Like, you know, like we said, obviously we all hope for like an abundance of fruit, you know, for a long time, but you know, Maybe that you not you might not get to see the fruit for a while, or you may not even get to see it until you get to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. But we do know that God is working, 
And, you know, I feel like there's so much in our culture that tells us to like pursue our passions and change the world and make a difference. And, you know, that's that's great and all. But then as Christians, I feel like we take those like standards and we sort of put them in between our relationship with the Lord. And so we feel like if we're not literally moving mountains for God, then we're not being good and faithful servants. And that's just wow. not true. Yeah. Right. God's yeah. plan is just so much bigger than anything we can ever imagine. You know, like we were saying a moment ago, you know if you only reach out to one person, but then that person reaches out to the next Billy Graham, I mean, I would think that that would be a pretty legitimate fruit for an entire life of faithfulness, right? And so, and maybe you're just like a small town girl named Ruth, right? And you've got a blue collar Mm. job and all you can do is just love your mother-in-law and be faithful where the Lord has called you. But, you know, just because you were um, obedient in those small things, you end up becoming grandmother to the most famous king of Israel, right? I mean, right. you really never know. And Ruth didn't know any of that when she was going through what she was going through. And I feel like it's the same for us. We don't know where the God, where God is moving and how he's moving around us. Um, but I think we can really just have faith that he is working and he is moving and that when we are obedient to him and we are pursuing him and his glory, um, that just has so much eternal significance that we cannot understand on this side of heaven. And so, yeah, I just want people to know that they don't have to be doing some like big, crazy Instagrammable thing in order to glorify God. Right. Uh, We're just called to obey and to love him. So. Oh, thank you for that encouragement. I'm deeply encouraged from you saying that. I think my biggest highlight from you today was just the picture of the cloud. That has so mm-hmm. much symbolism, even with the Israelites and thinking of their story and their liberation from slavery and following God. There's so much there. So if I can almost just picture myself as I will not move until the cloud moves. Mm-hmm. And yet yeah. when it does, I will go. And yeah. and being very faithful to God, even when things are small, mm-hmm. maybe even quiet and mm-hmm. maybe even insignificant. But there is so much for our stories um, that God has. And um, I hope that we all keep taking our next step. So thank you, Jess, for your time and your story. I love being to talk with you today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. If you liked today's conversation with Jessica, be sure to rate and review us. It helps others like you find and be encouraged by these stories. You can also connect with us on Instagram by following at Relentless Pursuit Podcast.